Welcome to Other, a podcast for online entrepreneurs and business owners looking for brand new strategies away from unrealistic ones, designed by out-of-touch multimillionaires. Join podcast coach and strategist Raffi Wagner as she breaks down other advice that is mostly ignored and set aside by many, yet offers incredible and rewarding results. Do not be bound to the glorified grind and hustle and give rarely discussed business tactics a chance. Listen to real-life entrepreneurs who prove that doing things differently can lead to their businesses becoming bigger and better forever. Now your host, Rafi. Today's episode is with Sarah, and Sarah does so many things right and so many things different in her business. I connected with Sarah on Instagram. Actually, I think about a couple years ago, we talk about that in the episode. But I do want to highlight just really how different Sarah's approach is. And she leads with transparency and honesty. And I think both of those things are just amazing in an entrepreneur. So check out this episode. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me on Other. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to just kind of talk about really what you're doing and how I feel that's kind of set you apart and really allows us to get a bird's eye view of entrepreneur that's doing things differently. Because I definitely think you're doing things differently. And so let's start right off the bat and just kind of share what you're doing. Just kind of what are you doing in your space right now? Yeah. So I am a digital marketing strategist. I talk about online business and kind of how to show up in a way that feels good because you're a lot more likely to be consistent with things that feel good to you and allowing people to create their marketing and create their business in their own way. So I'm all about simplifying strategies, being really effective without having to show up 24 seven and finding your confidence, because that is really what is going to start attracting people into your audience. So I'm all about making things easy. And I run a membership so everybody can hang out with me. And there's training and coaching and an amazing community in there. Yes, I'm just hanging out with business owners, like encouraging them to grow. (laughs) That's wonderful. And what do you think is different? Like, what do you think it is that attracts your ideal audience member or your ideal client to you? Mm. Yeah, I love that question. I think part of it is that I'm very outspoken on the behind the scenes, not Instagram perfect stuff. So for example, last week, I had like a mental health day. I woke up in the morning, I could feel my anxiety, I could feel what my brain was doing, and it was not going to be helpful for work. And so I did a whole podcast episode on how I just managed to kind of get through my day and check off the important stuff without feeling like terrible about myself or my expertise or what I can accomplish. And I think that is a big part of what draws people in is I'm not afraid to say like, today I did nothing and I felt kind of bad about it, but here's how I worked through it. And then also, you know, I just, I'm wearing like band t-shirts all day and like I'm covered in leopard print. I'm literally wearing leopard print, like pink leopard print right now. So that just kind of visually helps me stand out from the quote unquote Instagram, you know, the pink perfect kind of Instagram feed that we see a lot and people are kind of drawn to because it seems to be trendy. Absolutely. Yeah. So I am completely, I mean, that's the reason I started this podcast. I'm really against the whole cookie cutter 
the curated feed that clearly is yeah. like every filter known to man. And, you know, you have to have makeup on, you have to do this, you have to do that. And so that's one of the reasons that I kind of came into your world. And I just realized today that was about two years ago this month. And yes. one thing I do love about how you market your own business is that it is okay to have a day where you got absolutely nothing done. It's okay to kind of feel bummed about that, but it's also okay to give yourself grace about that. Yeah, you don't do yourself any service by feeling bad about just the things that are happening, especially now The just looking at the news. It's heavy and stressful out in the world, even if your business is running perfectly. So yeah, I think it's important to be realistic about the challenges that are happening because somebody else out there, especially if you're a coach or a mentor, they're having the same challenges and they're looking for someone to show up and say, you know what, I did that, you know, here's how I got through it or got around it or figured it out. And it was okay. You know, just giving people a little bit of encouragement and you don't even have to, you know, make a list of like the top 10 ways to blah, blah, blah. You can just exist and show how you're existing as a human. And people are drawn to that. I love that. Just existing and just kind of just doing it. And then they see the actions yeah. you're taking. And it's also permission to do whatever the heck you want. Like you do you, yes. right? Like <laughs> there really isn't, you know, I mean, I don't know exactly what the quote is. I think it's a Dr. Seuss or something, but I also think it was like yeah. picked up by Lady Gaga. But Something along the lines of, you know, you do you like everybody else is taken. So like yeah. you do you. And I think you do a great job about that, too. In the beginning or at any time in your business, did you ever feel a little hesitant to kind of come out and talk about those mental health days? Or have you always felt confident in doing that? Mm, I think it took me a few years before I kind of realized the necessity of it. And then I felt more comfortable sharing my story when I put like a little bit out there you know, I might just mention it years ago in a blog post or in an email. And somebody would always write back and say, that really helped me. I have similar issues or similar challenges. And just knowing that you are existing and continuing to run your business with anxiety or any mental health challenges is really helpful. So once I started to see that, if I put a little bit out there, I would always get a really positive response. That kind of helped me to now, a few years later, be fully in. I will tell you whatever you want to know. I will tell you that I got up and walked the dog and then turned around and went right back to bed. And, you know, on a Monday when I really had a lot of stuff to do and wanted to be able to work on that. But, you know, sometimes your brain just doesn't let that happen. And so I think I just I did it a little at a time. And then when I got comfortable with it, I was like, all right, here's the whole deal. We're talking about everything now. I love that. And that also highlights one of the big things. The mission of this podcast is to really lead with relatability. And yeah, relatability, I truly feel can't exist unless you're just authentic and true. Like you can't, you know, relatability is not the Lamborghini and the gigantic house and all those yeah. things. Like, you know, first of all, I've been watching somebody on YouTube that just kind of calls people out. And he's like, chances are that car may be like rented for the day. I'm like, yes. okay, that's, that's good to remember. Yeah, yep. that's a good thing. And how do you manage your business? Are you all about like automations? Are you all about like an all-in-one that takes care of things? What is yeah, your process so, as far as your business? 
So on the back end, I have a lot of platforms that work together. So a lot of things now luckily integrate really easily. So like ConvertKit integrates with Teachable and that integrates with, you know, I can connect it with Zapier and connect it into Airtable to do tracking. So I am looking for like the cleanest, most efficient way to run my business without having like 42 different platforms I'm having to pay for every month. So I do kind of a yearly audit to make sure that like every piece of the system is really pulling its weight and seeing the data as well. So is this bringing in leads? Is it bringing in customers or clients? Is it growing my Instagram or my email list? And then removing pieces of that system that aren't really helping to grow those numbers. So yeah, I use a lot of different apps. You can actually go to my resources page. It's exosera.com slash resources. And that will have all of my, you know, text, like my tech stack over there and a, and a pretty good list of books too. Yeah. So I like that idea too, because I think a very common thing we see out there is the multi-millionaire push for all-in-one platforms. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I come from a school of thought of there's really not a jack of all trades. There's not going to be an all-in-one that has everything. And if it does have everything, that means some of the everythings are not top-notch. Yes. You know, yeah. so they might promote they do everything, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best email deliverability or, you know, the best place to host a podcast and all these different things. So I think the message is, you know, find things that work for you, but also just if you are going to choose an all-in-one, recognize that there's something in that list that may not be really high performing and you might need it to be. Yeah, I definitely see that with some of the platforms I'm using. So for example, my membership runs on Teachable and I love all of their integrations, but I don't love their sales page builder because I'm a web designer by trade. That was like my first corporate job. My first freelance gig was web design. So if I can't get in there and make it exactly how I want it to be, I'm not going to feel happy with it. So I do my sales pages with lead pages. And so, you know, it makes like, it's a little extra payment, but it gives me more flexibility for the things that are important to me. Whereas somebody else could build their sales page in Teachable and love the way it turns out. And that's awesome. If that feels good to you, then yeah, just use that one platform. But don't be afraid to connect other platforms. Like you said, those platforms may do that thing better. And Lead Pages has a really great drag and drop system. And so I just use them together just to make sure that all my sales pages are extra designed and <laughs> look the way I want. Right. And that, like you said, that's something that's important to you. And I think if somebody's listening and let's say it is someone who's just starting, do mm-hmm. you recommend doing things differently as far as looking at like what platforms and what technology you're going to use? Do you think that's different if you're at like stage one, step one versus six months mm. in? Yeah, it kind of depends. Some people are going to be like taking small steps every day. If you're side hustling, you still have your full-time job, then maybe you're not going to have a big investment and go all in on all the platforms at once. But things like Squarespace are really helpful because you can do some private like membership pages within that so that you can start out like I started. Oh my gosh, now I have to think way, way back to like 2012. Oh, I started in Google Communities. That's where I ran my first course. I ran it in Google Communities. Then I used Wishlist Member. Then I used Zippy Courses. And then I went to Teachable. And then Teachable had all of the things. So don't feel like the thing I pick on my first day 
the email list, the website platform is going to be the thing that you're going to stick with. You're going to end up changing at some point as you grow, as you have more funds for your expenses, as you learn more. So, you know, pick whatever platforms feel good to you, feel easy, or find someone who teaches that thing and then go with whatever their recommendation is. So if you're inside of a course and you really like that back end of that course, find out what that platform is because I'm sure your clients or customers would really appreciate those same things. I love that. I love that because what better way to really get your sea legs, for lack of better words, than if it's something you're already in and you're loving it. I think that's a perfect way to kind of like use it without paying for it yet. You know, yeah, and really absolutely explore it, really explore it and check it out. In today's world, in the online business space, what do you think is happening as far as what's going wrong when it comes to digital marketing today? Ooh. Oh, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's going wrong? I feel like things are going partially right. I feel like we've been in this online space, courses, webinars for quite a while, maybe the past like almost 10 years. And so I think there is a lot of stuff that has been figured out and worked out. I do think there is a handful of people who either built a giant business, not exactly based on their like one product that they're promoting. So they may be promoting, they may be an affiliate for another program. And so they might make a good portion of their million dollars from promoting other people's programs. So that's the kind of like behind the scenes business thing that is not necessarily shady. Like I have affiliates as well. But when it comes to those big income numbers, I think we're not always seeing the full picture. Ooh, I like that. I like that. (laughs) Right. And we may not also even see the full picture when it comes to what we hear a lot lately as far as like the income reports and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. I do think that there are some that don't necessarily get into affiliate revenue. Yeah. Um, So that's a good point. That's a good point. What are your thoughts on the programs that are out there where they may be selling a program, a membership and you think you're getting in with one particular coach, but that coach is not there. Oh, oh yeah. You know, like the co coach yeah. or, you know, the one person you thought you were getting connected with doesn't show up at all. Yeah, I've definitely heard that before. You know, maybe they show up and they do like the big main event, but then like the day to day stuff, you're not really hearing from them. I don't love that. You know, if I want to work with someone, especially as a coach, I really want their expertise. And so I want to see them. And if there is coaching along with it, support, I want to know who is going to be supporting me. So I think it's a level of clarity and transparency because there's nothing wrong with having extra coaches in your program if they're able to serve as well as you are. But when the main person is the face of everything, You know, I think it's a little bit like I think that they should promote it as a group of coaches instead of like, I'm the main coach. And then you get in and suddenly you realize there are lots of other coaches in there. Right. But I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Yeah. Right. No, but I do like your point. You said transparency. And I think I see a trend these days, or I would say within the past couple of years of a trend of of not necessarily, there's a lot of other stuff like on sales pages and a lot of other stuff on, you know, the information that 
sells the particular program, but there's not necessarily transparency of who's going to be in there. Like, who are you having those touch points with, you know? And I wonder if it comes from a place of, well, we have to sell it with this face because this face will get the money. I mean, it's it's unfortunate, but I think that's probably where it's coming from. Yeah. And I think more than just being a lesson of like what not to do, that's a great selling point on our programs. Because if you come into my program, you can ask me specifically questions. I will respond to your questions. I will provide feedback. I'm on all the coaching calls. And so I make sure when I talk about my program that I'm very, very, I'm like overly clear about that personalized feedback and that it comes from me specifically. So anybody who's just starting a program and you're feeling like, oh man, that person's doing something similar and they're making millions of dollars. I could never live up to that. You're going to catch all the people that really do want FaceTime. They want to get to know their mentor or their coach. They don't just want to be another person. Like I'm in a program right now. I think there's like 1,200 people in this session. And that's fine for that program. But for other programs, like I want a direct connection to that coach. So if you have that, that is something that should be high on your selling points. Right. So that your the value notes, of you're going to get me. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. And you know what? I haven't really thought about it that way, that this could be actually a selling point for other programs. And for sure, yeah, how much time. So you have been doing quite a bit lately on Instagram, I think probably since day one that I could remember, but it just seems to be a little bit more apparent more these days is mindset work and mindset, like reels and posts. What are your thoughts on, on really kind of connecting with people with that? I think I saw one of your posts or when we were talking earlier, just like mindset it means different things and yes. it's important, like you mentioned. So to talk about that a little bit, kind of share what your thoughts on that. Yeah. So I feel like mindset is very generalized when we hear about it on Instagram. You know, when you're getting imposter syndrome, you got to work on your mindset. When you have money issues, you got to work on your mindset, but people aren't being specific enough. And so sometimes it just feels like, oh, my mindset's messed up. I don't know what to do about it but it's causing my business to not grow. And that's not usually exactly the case. So when you think about working on your mindset, you really want to pinpoint where your challenges are. So is it every day I have to work on this one certain thing and I put it off and I'm scrolling and I'm procrastinating, then that's where you want to dig into your mindset and figure out exactly what thoughts are coming into your head as you're going through that process of procrastination. So being mindful throughout the day as you're working, you know, what things are making you feel stressed, where are you losing a lot of energy, what activities are you excited about, and make notes on those things because you want to do more of the stuff that feels good, less of the stuff that feels negative to you. And that is where your mindset is going to shift when you really pinpoint the specific moments and challenges instead of just being like, well, I got to work on this mindset. So I'm just going to read 20 more self-help books. Like I've read oh them all. Goodness. Right. <laughs> that It works better to be a little more specific. Yeah, that hits a chord with me. But I love <laughs> the way you're describing it because I do think because it's kind of pushed out there in the world online, 
as being so general, then we're approaching it so generally, where we need to approach it more specifically. Now, the techniques you were mentioning, do you do any like handwritten journaling or? Oh, yeah. Like, what is your method? Is it typing? Is it pen to paper? What is it? Yeah, I'm a journaler. I find that when I'm writing, like when I'm brain dumping, that is my most effective journaling technique. I used to try and write a journal and be like, today I did this and so-and-so said this. And that's not that helpful if it, if your goal is to work through mindset stuff. You're better off just really dumping stuff out of your head. So all of my journals just look crazy if anybody reads them. But I love doing journaling. And then I've been doing breath work kind of as an alternative to meditation. I use an app called Breathwork, but it's W-R-K. So I use the Breathwork app usually at night, but it just gives me like five to 10 minutes where I am really focused, paying attention to just the sounds. And there's like a little visual on the screen, paying attention to my breath and how my body is feeling. And that helps to give me focus throughout the rest of my day. It helps me to slow down, stay on one task at a time. It helps me to identify when those negative thoughts come up. Sometimes it's just like a passing, like a plane flying over my head with a banner that's just like, hey, you're a loser. And I'm like, now my brain catches it. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm awesome. I run amazing business. I have an amazing community. And then I like can vocally change those thoughts. And so yeah, journaling is a really big one just to de-stress and take everything out of my brain, all of my to-do lists that I'm running, and then doing a little breath work or meditation to help me focus and catch those negative thoughts when they come up and then shift them instead of being like completely knocked out because as I was working, my brain told me I was a loser, but I didn't really pay attention to it. And so I just felt it through my whole body until I had to like stop or scroll or procrastinate. Right. It stops you in your tracks. When you're journaling, do you ever, as a technique, I used to do like paper to pen, pen to paper, I should say, but I haven't done that. And I kind of feel like I might go back and do that. But do you ever do a technique where you just kind of let those negative thoughts or those words come out? And then do you like cross them out and replace them with something? Or do you not even write them down? I'm just I do sometimes if I find that I'm I'm saying the same things to myself, especially if it's around a specific activity or a specific task, then yeah, I will sit down and really like, they kind of call it like peel the onion, like, okay, why do I think that? And then why do I think that? And why do I think that? Until I get down to, you know, usually that main issue kind of is like a little bit of a gut punch. You know, when you you think of it, you're like, oh, yep, that's the problem. Found it. Yeah. But yeah, I like the idea of writing through those issues. Gotcha. Yeah, I might have to take that up. And I also think that there's actually research that says that when you connect the actual physical writing, it it opens up and and creates different pathways and stuff within your brain. So I think there's a benefit. Yeah. If you're not a fan of writing, you can say it and move your body at the same time. You're going to literally like jump up and down and be like, I'm so amazing. I'm such an expert. When I go live, everybody benefits. Staying that stuff and moving your body physically will kind of have that same effect. So if you're not a big writer, you can just jump around and yell things. Right. The same thing. And the voice note apps on phones are amazing. I mean, the quality is amazing if ever you need to use that recording again. But no, that's a great thing. Whether it's journaling or the voice recorder or something, I do like the ability to like actually reflect on something 
So like find mm-hmm. an old recording and then you hear yourself and that's almost a way to recognize how far you've come and recognize yeah. the changes. So I like that. I like that idea. I have a question for you right now. What do you keep on your desk or workspace that boosts your mood? Oh, all right. I like that. I have a photo of my family and we're all doing like fireball shots. But it's like my mom and my aunts and my cousins and my grandma's in there. And it's all of us like taking a shot. That always boosts my mood to see like my goofy family. And then I have a nice big chunk of amethyst on my desk. I think my dog is really my biggest like mood booster throughout the day because I can't be like too annoyed or too serious about anything because then I look over and she's like upside down on the couch, like playing with something and being ridiculous. Or today she like kind of was just I was working on the couch and she was just sneaking onto my lap as I have a laptop right there and just like laying her head on my keyboard. So that's also very helpful as well. (laughs) Yeah, pets are good co-workers, aren't they? Yeah, as long as they're nice and quiet, at least for part of the day. Yeah, unlike mine right now that are not so (laughs) quiet. And, you know, in the world of social media and Instagram, like you are doing some great things on Instagram. What grabs your attention? Like what is something that grabs your attention, whether it's social media, you know, I guess Facebook or Instagram. Are you even on Facebook or are you just strictly Instagram? I just do Facebook for like family and friends. I do have a Facebook page, but it never gets updated. I watch a lot of dog videos. (laughs) So that's my like personal scrolling. But I like to look at reels from other types of businesses. So people doing nutrition. I have a client that does postpartum and prenatal like yoga and exercise. So seeing how different businesses create reels, the topics, the audio they're using. I'm really into that and saving that first for myself so that I have more options than, you know, the one dance that everyone is doing or the one song that everyone is using in the business and marketing niche. I like to use other things that other niches are trying just to see, just to see what will happen. And then also it helps me collect examples to put inside of my program so that when my students go through the lessons, they have a wide variety of examples and not just tons of marketers doing the exact same things. Right, right. Because I mean, those audios and those all those things are trendy. But Mm -hmm. let's do something else. Let's be that that other person and do something a little bit different. You had mentioned like gathering samples and stuff like that. But you also mentioned like really looking outside the box. So even though let's say we're talking to someone that's a coach for photographers just out of the blue. Mm -hmm. And instead of really just focusing on what your competition or what or other people in your space in your community is doing, I think that's a great idea to kind of open up to even other businesses and kind of maybe get some lessons from them because not everything is in a small little world. You got to explore out there. Yeah. And I would also say if you see the content coming through your niche or your industry and you're like, I hate that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to dance. I don't want to point. Don't do that stuff then. Even if it's trending, even if the expert of experts with a million bajillion followers is like, you need to do this video. If inside you're like, do I have to? You don't. Don't do it. Find the weird videos and the weird songs. I like using Schitt's Creek video or audio and gifs and stuff in my content. Because that's going to pull in a specific audience. There's a specific audience that 
thought Schitt's Creek was really weird and never got into it and they don't understand it. And then there's my people who love Schitt's Creek and totally get it and think it's funny and silly and weird. And those are the people that are going to be attracted. And so I'm always paying attention to my gut reaction of whether or not that trending thing is going to feel good for me. Because if it doesn't feel good, it's going to be such a struggle to do it and definitely a struggle to do it repeatedly. Yes. And can we just say a woohoo for Schitt's Creek? Like (laughs) Schitt's Creek gifts are like my love language. Those are like my (laughs) love language. First of all, I think I've watched the whole entire series at least 20 times. And I might even start it again. Like it does so much for me between my mental health and everything. Schitt's Creek is just, it's my happy place. My husband makes fun of me because he's like, again, like as soon as he hears like the theme music, he's like, again. And I'm like, yes, (laughs) again, like I will like, this is your life now. (laughs) Right. Right. But he never he never got into it. He was one of those people, but he's not into TV anyway. So but yeah, I love that. And I also think one thing that I really think you do really well, too, is really kind of giving people the permission to kind of just start where they are and that you're very clear that confidence is going to build. Like you're very clear on, you know, if this doesn't work, try this, but keep on trying like to kind of, because I guess until you really do 10 reels, you may not never feel comfortable doing reels. Yeah, for sure. You'll find out that you don't want to ever do them again. Yeah, I have so many students or clients that I work with and they're like, I know I should be doing stories or I know I should be doing reels. I'm like, just try it. Just make a couple and see what happens. If you hate it, maybe you do a podcast instead. And they come back to me and they'll be like, actually, I really like stories or actually, I'm really having fun doing reels. I'm like, see, all you had to do is give it a shot. If it sucks, you can delete it. If it sucks, you don't have to do it again, but try it first before you tell me you're going to be bad at it or you don't like it. Absolutely. And as we're starting to wrap up, I do want to ask you, where did the idea of the name Dare to Grow, where did that come from? Is that from an experience? Is that just kind of like, this is what my mission is? Like, what what's the story behind Dare to Grow? Yeah. You know, I remember being in my apartment. I had a big old whiteboard on the ground, got all of my markers out, and I was just trying to figure out how to name my program. So it was a lot of like writing down words that felt good, getting the thesaurus. I like some alliteration. So, you know, trying to cram two G's or two D's into the word. But yeah, it just came out of thinking about what I wanted people to feel, what I wanted them to do and get out of it, and then figuring out how to turn that into like a really short, catchy phrase. I have to thank the thesaurus for that. I feel like that's <laughs> that's how I yeah. came to Dare to Grow. Yeah, I love that. My favorite thing on my iPhone is Word Hippo. And Ooh, I haven't oh, heard of that. So fun. Every time I want to use the word audio or every time I want to use something, it's like a thesaurus, but it's also like a dictionary and it's also other stuff. But I just like it because that's the first thing that comes up. And it's a cute little pink hippo. So, I mean, who doesn't? That always helps. Right. Exactly. (laughs) It makes it very easy to, to use the app. So as we start to wrap up, I want to ask you, what is your favorite book? It can be business or otherwise. And a book that you either just love and you might even read more than once or a business book that you feel is worth recommending. 
Yeah. Oh, man. I'm a huge reader. I feel like I need to open up my Kindle and scroll through there. Oh, I was just going to ask you, are you like a paper book person? I'm audio. So I'm just audio. Oh, I'm a reader. I've always been like a big nerd and a reader since a kid. I was just talking to one of my friends and he was like, oh, yeah, we're doing a -a readathon. And I was like, I want to do a -a (laughs) readathon. I just remember those being such good memories. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Book, I would say Profit First is so good. If you're at the beginning of your business or you haven't quite gotten a handle on how to pay yourself or like how to split up your money, it's really, really a simple system. It essentially end up with a bunch of bank accounts, but he tells you how to figure out what percentage goes into each bank account. And that has been so helpful in just making finances a little bit easier. And then my other one, which is kind of business and kind of personal, is Loving What Is by Byron Katie. And it's called The Work. That's what her like process is called. And that is really helpful if you have anxiety and you find yourself kind of like spinning on things or like overthinking things. She's got a specific process in there for kind of how to relieve yourself of a a lot of stress. So yeah, that one was really helpful for me as well. And I end up recommending that to anybody who's just like kind of having a mental struggle bus moment and needing a little support. That's wonderful. I I like both of those recommendations. And I definitely feel that if it's a book that not only gives you like stories and personal accounts of something, but then there's an actual a process that you can use. I love those kind of books. And I love Mel Robbins because she does those kind of books. Like she gives you like techniques to use to overcome whatever. And she has great stories. So I love that. Thank you for those book recommendations. Well, Sarah, it's been a pleasure. But before we go, let us know where we can find you on socials. Yeah, you can find me at xosarah.com on social media at xosarahmorgan. And my membership is at daretogrow.co. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. For joining us in this episode. This is your first step away from the unrealistic multimillionaire roadmaps that do you nothing good and into more relatable strategies that actually lead to success. No more of those tactics that are impossible to replicate. Time to take control of your business, do things differently, and yield fantastic results like never before. For more episodes like this, subscribe to the show at otherthepodcast.com. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and share with your friends. That's all for now. Until next time.